0: You would just have to like literally just bang a different person every night to get it to that point. Because not everyone's getting pregnant, but like, I guess, you know, how did, how did Genghis Khan even find the energy? To, yeah, how did he battle? <laughs> to, yeah, to con- to con- that's probably what it was. He was like, he's like, we got to go conquer another land. He's like, what happened? He's like, the same girl came through my rotation again. He's like, that's how I know it's time to expand the empire. Riders, we gather at dawn, and they go to a new land. He then went through that line of women, and as soon as he gets a repeat, he's like, "I,
1: I've seen you, I know you, I know that birthmark." Either that or riders. <laughs> maybe he doesn't take sloppy seconds. Maybe that's like his line in the sand: is he won't have sex with another person's mate or mate or. He's a man of principles. What you're trying to say? He is maybe. You know who
0: else was, was he, this guy was not a, you know, these people were, I guess, men of a certain type of principle.
1: Uh, I'm all in on the first one. The second one, I I can't. No, can't not, I'm
0: not, I'm not saying like acceptable principles, but they, they somehow had their own. Yeah. I guess first guy before, more so than the second guy I'm excited for this second topic. I'm not going to lie to you because I think I'm going to see a part of you that I haven't got to see. It scares me a little bit, but all right. So keeping with the theme of October, Halloween, we're going with two people who essentially inspired character, either character or in some case characters um, that are really well-known in society today. And probably those characters are more well-known in society today than these guys who actually inspired them.
1: Well, 100%. There's no, uh, yeah, they they weren't great people, so they probably didn't stay, like, no, as popular the, as I their mean, characters. Because, like, there's been adaptions of Dracula that are good, bad, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, there have been, like, He's seminal, a, like, um, Bram
0: Stoker, his is kind of his take on it. But, yeah, I mean, the we have a cereal, the chocolate cereal, don't we? Count the Count? Yeah. Yeah. I Hmm. Yeah, I have, I have my reservations on the count. His cereal's delicious, and I don't think he's harmless, or I don't think he's harmful. That's what I mean. He's yeah, a good character. That's true. Um, but the fact that even he came out of this. Yeah. Like, even the count Sesame Street. One, two, three... is gonna be do you want to wait on the second one till we actually get to it uh yeah well actually let's do this let's say who it is because if somebody i i want everyone to sit here and listen to it but if they do want to skip to the second one you guys can just hit forward a whole bunch of times so we're covering vlad the impaler also uh vlad dracula dracula vlad Tepis. I had so many fucking names, and then he also wanted to be known by a title that I didn't write down because it was literally Game of Thrones style ridiculous. Like, I am Daenerys Targaryen, Mother of Dragons,
1: Hero of the Andals, and the First
0: Man, and it was just this fucking thing I couldn't remember. Um, Dracula, awesome fucking name.
1: When you find out what it means, that uh, the name is Game of Thrones shit. Like, so Dracula. Dragon,
0: Dracula, eh. Dracula, son of the dragon.
1: Well, and they were part of the Order of Dragons. That's where the I guess it's a surname at that point, or a nickname maybe. You take it. You got, you just get to take. That's the thing. I, it's a
0: title, isn't it? Mm, I don't know. All I'm saying is, when you are as powerful as these people are, like royalty in their areas, you just get to pick your fucking name.
1: It's like the Pope, man. Well. They got where Dracul came from, from his dad. Um, Who was also named Vlad. Yeah, he so was Vlad just, Dracul. So I'm
0: just going to say senior.
1: Yeah, well, there's Dracul and then Vladimir, his son, is Dracula. Just like we were talking about with Houdini never, and the I eye to Houdini. By Vla- I don't think he
0: was Vladimir. Because you see people named Vladislav. And I think if he was Vladimir,
1: it would be Vladimir. I always just read it as Vlad. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they shortened shit up back then. But the name Dracul comes from something that his dad was given, Vladimir, called the Order of the Dragon. Correct. And what was its purpose? It was a... Wasn't it nobility in the Ottoman Empire? No, it was other side of it.
0: Oh. So it was the Order of the Dragon was basically like the Eastern Front of the Crusades. They were to defend the faith of Christianity in the territories. So, we we even texted about this. The oh, fact, that's right. Yeah. The fact that all of, like, we've gone through three or four topics of well known ancient history. Europe is the size of fucking a small county, apparently. And everything takes place. Did you catch that fly out of midair? I air? did. Nice. Good catch. Um,
1: I would it, say. It's like within 300 years. All these people are so freaking intertwined. It's kind of like it was a football game, and you only have literally like a hundred yards of field. Mm-hmm. And then every quarter, it was like somebody else subbed. Everything in is taking place
0: between the forties. It's forty to forty. Everything, and it's just yeah, turnovers back and forth.
1: I, everything is just so intertwined. And Vlad kind of he kind of sewed everything together because he shows up during the or during <laughs> the um, Pope Pius days. Yeah, the Pope Pius days, which was part of the Templars, which is during the Crusades. And then he shows up um, with, what was the lady's husband's name? Oh, um, the Elizabeth Bathry Lee that we
0: didn't cover, right? Yeah. Shit. Oh, um, I think it's up here. Go through it real quick.
1: <sighs>
0: yes, it was her. Oh, he was the King of Hungary.
1: Oh, it was, uh,
0: I got his name written down. Uh, where is it? Hanyadi.
1: No, John Hanyadi wasn't the husband of Elizabeth Bathory. uh Oh. His last name's Bathory, too. Oh, I don't know that, man. I don't have that written down. Why am I so bad at finding
0: things out I'm going to go through some stuff. Look it up real quick. Okay. Okay. So I'll give some dates, then some locations... So they don't know exactly when he was born or when he died. So it was either between 1428 and 1431 is when he was born somewhere between 1476 and 1477 is when he died, which is weird because I guess in other parts of the world, the dates seem very specific, like when we were doing the like Knights Templar, everything. So apparently record keeping in this part of the world wasn't up, up to what it was previously. I I read
1: that in Hungary, Mm -hmm. they hadn't established a written language until like the 1600s. Oh, really? So this is all just kind of like stories and cave drawings, but hieroglyphs probably. So it
0: takes place in Romania, and so Transylvania, where the traditional Count Dracula-like story is, takes place. It's a a region of Romania, but it wasn't this region where um, Vlad the Impaler actually ruled over and was from. That was called... Wallachia. And I like to mention it was like, Welcome to Wallachia. It was probably with the V, right? Wallachia.
1: Something like that.
0: That's what it sounded like every time I heard it. And so again, he's born to Vlad Sr. So Vlad Dracul, Vlad the dragon. So Vlad Dracula, Vlad, son of the dragon. Um, Romania was kind of constantly, because it was kind of a. Not it was like a crossroads country, is what it kind of seemed like. It separated the Ottoman Empire to the east from like the heavily you know Christian European countries to the west, and then Wallachia and Romania were kind of in the middle. So it was always being fought over.:
1: This was the site of a lot of the um, Crusades. Yeah, Because it was, like, this was territory in between those two kingdoms. That because was the just... Ottomans
0: were Muslim, so you also had the Christian against Muslim crusade type stuff happening there. So the front of this, like, I didn't know this until I looked this stuff up. To me, when I hear crusades, the only thing I think about is the Holy Land, Jerusalem, all that kind of stuff. But it makes so much sense because, again, it's a religious crusade. And anywhere that there's two factions and there's a border between those factions where... We worship one thing; you worship the other. But in the name of God, we gotta kill each other.
1: Uh, that boundary just keeps getting moved further one way, further the other way. And sometimes, like not even in like large swaths of time. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll talk about. I think it was his last reign, Vlad's last reign, and I think his first reign. He was only in power for like a couple months before things went mm-hmm. south, and he ended up losing control back one way or the other. But the thing that I thought was really cool about Vlad double agent
0: yes well his dad was also a double agent the family was
1: like some of them not all of them brothers oh that's eh. yeah that's
0: right so romania remember when we were talking i don't it was one of the early podcasts i think it might have been like alexandria or it was some i can't remember. I was talking about how, like, it seems like everyone was always conquering each other. Like, this ruler would try to conquer this ruler and someone would win, but then that person would be weakened. So, another ruler would be like, oh, I'm just going to beat them up while well, they're half beaten. But then that guy would be weakened. And then it just seemed like everything was changing hands.
1: You and never got to full strength that's how, for a battle. Yeah, that's if how you it won. describes
0: Romania at that point. Like, you just had all these, like, the feudal system of people kind of trying to conquer each other. And so, kind of a weird thing is the order of the dragon is supposed to defend the faith of Christianity and its territories against the Ottomans and the Muslims. Vlad senior basically goes to the Ottoman empire and is like, Hey, I need some help. And in order to do so, I'm going to leave my two sons
1: with you as hostages. So you have my loyalty. Part of their agreement was to gain their help and to basically not be smushed out and be replaced was they made a deal with them saying we'll protect you we'll defend you you'll be able to keep your sovereignty you have to pay us a certain amount of money as far as like a tribute Mm -hmm. and we also get i think it was like not all of your children but like a certain amount of children that you bear we automatically get is into like slavery Mm -hmm. sort of and it wasn't just the peasants or the regular people it went all the way up to vladimir like he he had to give up. It was two sons, right? It was Vlad and he was Vlad and oh, the handsome one. Yeah, uh, Radu.
0: Radu. Radu the handsome.
1: Hey, Radu Vlad, runs into a lot Vlad of trouble. Not, Vlad, not so,
0: not so handsome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought that that was kind of funny. That they, a lot of what I read, really pointed it out. Like Vlad had a tougher time. He, he wasn't really a. Kind of an outgoing kid, but it seemed like Radu was the one that got everybody's attention. It. I'm trying to think of the comparison. So Vlad
0: strikes me as, um, shit, what is his name? The son's name from Wedding Crashers. Todd. Todd. He strikes me as Todd. And then I feel like Bradley Cooper, Sans asshole, Sans being the asshole, would be Radu. Just the handsome one. Or you could even say, I guess, Owen Wilson. He's kind of the... But I feel like it
1: seems... Radu was called Radu the Handsome. Hey, he got he got a name out of it. And not only was old Radu um, loved by the women, but the... What do they call him? The Sultan. The Sultan, that's Sultan. right. The best best title that you can give. Yeah. The Sultan's son took a liking Doesn't to him. Doesn't it just him. make you think of Aladdin? Ah, uh, I didn't. I don't think Prince I saw it, the whole thought of, I guess, being gay was cool back then, which is kind of nice to it's hear. It's been like, okay,
0: bisexuality, if you had the money and the power, it was it was whatever you wanted, man. That's the whole point. Like, gay and sexual fluidity throughout history has always been exactly that, fluid, until some religions came in and it seemed like the religions that allowed, or societies that allowed that fluidity didn't
1: last. Not because of that, but... It just sort of seems odd because they're Muslim, and I think it's probably something that Muslims aren't cool (laughs) with now. I, I won't speak for them because I don't know, but it strikes me as a religion that may frown upon that. You know, I don't know because
0: what's sad is you only hear about the extremist side of that stuff.
1: Yeah, I don't know enough about just just the the everyday Muslim
0: exactly. So, just like you know, most people like it's your hardcore like Christians that are like boo boo gay. And then most people, they're just like, okay, like, yeah, do you always want to get married? Like, us straight people are fucking it up all the time, so you guys want to get in on this?
1: We're wrong, like, half the time. You might as well give it a shot. I think
0: half of it is like, you guys, okay, yeah, you guys want to get married? Okay, we'll see. (laughs) Good luck. Yeah, good. (laughs) Welcome to our fucking pain.
1: (laughs) This is my nightmare.
0: Well, the thing is, too, is hostages is kind of a... That's kind of a misleading term, too. Um... I am I like to make references to stuff that's, like, mainstream now. So, I gonna. I keep making Game of Thrones references. So, Game of Thrones would have kind of like a, not a ward, but a, um, oh, my God. Theon Greyjoy was one of them to the Starks. He was, like, there, like, he was a hostage taken to gain compliance from his father. But he was treated almost like a member... Not quite a member of the family, but someone that was a really good friend of the family. So he got to, he got the same education that his sons got. So Vlad and um, Radu received the highest education and treatment, the same one that the Sultan's heirs did, sons, which includes, you know, your standard education reading, writing, arithmetic, also battle strategy, also weapons training. um, And then, while Radu and was it what was it Mehmed? Yeah, Mehmed the second. Mehmed the second were off hanging out. So he's the Sultan's son. That he, um, and that was another thing too. He kind of the way it was described. He, you know, of course um, Vlad and Radu as hostages there don't have like power really. Mm-hmm. They do probably over the common, maybe over some common people they would, but Mehmed starts taking. He sees Radu and he's like, "That's a good looking man. I could probably." force myself up on that and so there was like some a period where like Reddy was harassed by him
1: and then a, like a year later they were shacking up I, it sounds a lot like it was a little bit of Stockholm syndrome like they were your captor you started to sympathize with Radu or with the uh, with Mehmed because Radu was probably I mean there's something flattering about being hit on by a man there is I I, I would say that The few times that it's happened to me, like it, it brightens my day up. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, even on the other side, I kind of got, I got a shot here. The sun
0: peeks out from behind the clouds and shines on you. like, thanks.
1: I needed that. Yeah. This could work. This could work if it ever happened. I just, I
0: just threw this outfit together. I didn't even
1: try today. (laughs) So I think he was sort of, like I say, there's a little bit of Stockholm syndrome. He started. He was enjoying it though. It kind of seemed like he was, he embraced
0: it. That's the biggest thing is he was just like, fuck it. I'm here. Like, I'm just going to hang out and be one of these guys.
1: I, and that was rough, I think, for Vlad because he kind of lost his brother at that point. Like his, his oh, brother yeah. went away, and it seemed like Vlad found comfort in older people because he hung out with a lot of the people that did the torturing in the empire. Yeah, so he
0: he got um, he got in trouble quite a bit from like his instructors and educators, and so he not he wasn't so much tortured, but I mean, their form of, it wasn't like go to your room, you lost your privileges. There was you know cor- corporal type physical punishment that occurred here. But the thing about Vlad is it's like he threw these – the same guys that were giving him his torture, I guess, like his punishment, were the same guys that did the actual torturing of like prisoners and shit. Yeah,
1: they were the guys that that pulled out the big guns that were teaching him all these different techniques of torture and killing people and extracting secrets and evidence.
0: Mm -hmm. So he got to see kind of – he got a taste for it seeing what the Ottoman sultan – does to his enemies and he kind of weaseled his way psychologically into these people to not really gain their trust but kind of just gather information like you were saying about like the most effective methods of both mental and physical torture and so whereas Radu was kind of like yeah I'm here for the party
1: Vlad feel, soaked up every piece of information I feel could. like
0: Vlad's just going through people's drawers smelling underwear
1: and uh, one <laughs> There's a chance. If they wore underwear back then, he mm-hmm. probably got himself a sniff. It, there's also one real big key thing that I think Vlad came up with, was that was the fact that he was bilingual. He could speak, um, what would it be? Wallachian? Would you say? Romanian? Yeah, maybe Romanian and Wallachian. Mm-hmm. But being able to speak the Sultan's language. And, oh,
0: the Ottoman's language. Yeah. Oh, it would have been, well, what's... I don't want to like, I don't know enough about like, cause I know Muslim culture covers a lot of different languages. So I'm trying to imagine which one would be the Ottoman empire. The main area around it was like Turkey and kind of like that area. So Turkey? I mean, it had to have been a collection of language. I don't know.
1: Whatever. It was something
0: other than what was natural for Vlad. He started picking up on other languages. He basically what he lacked in, he's like one of those classic guys of what he lacked in like physical talent he was going to go ahead and make up for in mental prowess
1: it, he really did work twice as hard and i think he was pretty much twice as successful as anybody else cuz he comes into power over Wallachia 3 times mm-hmm. like that's that's not by accident once you conquer it it's kind of does like does that a,
0: mean you're just like but that that's like strong stupid strong stupid strong stupid like You don't lose it the first time, and then you don't have to get it the other two times. I'm sure he'd much rather have kept it and been capable of doing
1: that. Um, He just kept, it's like you say, though, he just kept running into a situation where it seemed like after a while, either he took back Wallachia and the people below him, the Burgers, I believe is what they were.
0: Yeah, let me, I'm going to speed up just his history until he gets to the good torture shit. Okay. So, all right, I'm going to run through it. Here we go. So what happens is Radu and Mehmed II, who's the son, are hooking up. Um, Hanyadi is the ruler of Hungary, which is on the other side of Romania from where the Ottomans are. So he asked Vlad Sr., he's like, hey man, I'm going to go to war against the Ottomans. I need your help. Sr.'s like, no, I can't do it. Um, I'm getting kind of protection from them, plus they have my two sons. I don't know if he cared so much because he still had the third son at home.
1: I don't think he cared much at all because yeah. it was the oldest that stayed with him. So yes. it was his two younger kids.
0: All right. So the Hanyadi, he ends up going to war anyway with the Ottomans. I think he gets beat a couple times. He's pissed about it. And he's like, you know why I lost? Because fucking Sr. didn't partner partner with me. So he goes back and he kills Vlad Sr.
1: Him and Vladislav II.
0: Yeah. So how he ends up doing it is there's kind of a revolt, like a small revolt going on or disgruntled, like, people within Wallachia. He basically kind of, like, backs them. And then this Vladislav II, which is the second cousin of Vlad Sr., and he um, is able to support this revolt and make it powerful enough to basically kill. And then Vlad Jr. in 1456, that's when he takes the... When does he take the throne the first time? Uh,
1: That is the first time. So after... um... Vladislav gets into power. Yeah, after Vladislav clears out Vladimir and his older brother, um, he takes an army of the Ottomans back towards Wallachia to try to take it over. And Vladimir Impaler does. Yes, Vladimir Impaler does.
0: So he ends up making a deal because obviously the Ottoman puppet, not puppet, but the Ottoman supported guy in that situation is out. Uh-huh. they got another Ottoman guy who's the son of or another Wallachian guy who's the son of him. They're just going to change him back in and be like, you go back, you rule Wallachia, we're still good on our agreement, you still give us your kids and all that kind of shit. The,
1: and you're, so the, they, you're the prince of Wallachia. They, they give him, him that backing, okay. So as they're heading in, there's a... It was a, a big war that broke out, a big fight that broke out, away from Wallachia, and somebody, I think it was a, another king had died over there and while vladislav is gone then
0: not he just try to he fucking sneaks in the house doesn't he he's like yeah. i'm ruler
1: well he walked knowing that language he walks in he gets in he lets everybody else in they all come in they're looking for vladislav because that's really all vlad wants right. to do is like, kill him
0: it's like the fucking it's he
1: didn't call seat back
0: no vladislav. exactly
1: and so vlad sneaks in there and he's like i'm king now and that only lasted like a month or two till Vladislav came back and then once Vladislav comes back, he ends up getting kicked out of um
0: Wallachia well when we and when you say kicked out, this isn't like Vladislav comes back and he's like, "Vlad, get <laughs> no. off my throne. It's like Vladislav or Vlad sees him coming, and he's like, "Guys, we gotta book it. Goose
1: it boys." Yeah, it, thanks, and for,
0: thanks for the F shack
1: uh, it's my, Mike and the boys. <laughs> Kind of better to live and learn And mm-hmm. maybe get another shot at that Than sit there and die So he comes back Then the second time oh, he, he gets exiled to a place called Moldovia um, Oh god that sounds so badass I think it's Moldova now, But maybe it's Moldova. That's
0: where the guy from The villain in Ghostbusters 2 is Vigo the Destroyer Oh from? no that's Car- Carpathia no, it, he ruled Moldavia too. Moldavia.
1: I don't know. I'm gonna start going down the Ghostbusters hole here in a second. <laughs> pull, pull me out. So when he hits up Moldavia, he runs into who? Somebody who may have been his uncle. Like they think that it was his uncle. He was Vlad's brother. His name is Brogdon II. Mm-hmm. That's the weirdest thing about all this is everybody is so intertwined. And even to this day, there's a reason why the royals in England are all pale as shit mm-hmm. and have terrible genetics. Mm-hmm. It's because all back in this time, these kings would just pass daughters and sons back and forth. Game of Thrones, dude. And I, I've never seen it as this. The new one that's out, The House of the Dragon,
0: I think the the main plot for the first six episodes is like how do we get these kids of ours to like start banging and making other kids and they're just going between like uncles and like cousins and sisters and brothers it's yeah
1: oh and as weird as that sounds this was real life back then and they didn't know
0: uh, about genetics at what point are they going to be like ooh, this kid has an extra toe they're like the lord blessed him with an extra toe they're like, there's nothing wrong genetically with that. And fucking hunchback and web
1: fear. He's still royalty. He still mm-hmm. has royal blood flowing through those veins. It's the same royal blood, but still the same. So he comes back for his second reign in 1456. And this time, um, he's aided by Hungarian support to overflow, overthrow that. Blah, blah, blah. Jesus, there's a lot of V's in here.
0: He overthrows. Throws. I'm think. thank God. Vladislav. This is when he's he dies. So I don't have to fucking say. And Senior's dead. So now we can just say Vlad. And when we're talking about Vlad, it's Vlad Vlad the Impaler. Impaler. Okay. So he kills Vladislav. So first order of business, he takes over Wallachia. He's like, now I got to fortify this bitch. So he knows that the biggest threat is the Ottomans. And so he fortifies the country against them. I don't know. I'm sure it was just extra outposts and maybe like some walls and shit. But like, how do you fortify a country?
1: uh choke points maybe between mountains I, yeah cuz
0: i i do you know when i think about that i guess i forget that there's literally like how do we get there They're like there's one road in and there's one road out so you just like build a couple of garrisons over those or forts over those roads
1: maybe you can't move some,
0: you can't move guys on feet and wagons with horses over not roads some watchtowers maybe mm-hmm. some lookouts so he does that um the ottoman sultan At this time now is Mehmed II, the guy who is shacking up with his bro. And now he's like, I want Wallachia under my control. And Vlad says, okay, cool. But he doesn't really mean it. He's basically just... I think he's doing that because he realizes that he has to kind of bide his time and start building up his strength. And he has a plan for it, too, which... This guy is, if you're in, like, Romania, this guy is actually, like, a national hero of Romania. Despite all the next stuff we're going to talk about.
1: I... I think that almost makes him cooler. And during that time, he kind of stomped out feudalism in Romania. That's what he did. He gave he... a lot of power back to a bunch of peasants and people and tried to raise them up in order to just garner more support from the people. Did you see how he did it? He didn't. He so the round the, up all the burghers and make boyers. them build him a castle.
0: So he boyers? did. The, yeah. So essentially, like Vlad rules the country. And then think of it like, this is in medieval times. So think of medieval England where you'll have like the king in his castle, but then you have all the lords that have like their own castles and they have their lands that they tend to, but then all the money gets funneled up in taxes to the king. So Vlad is like, this thing's complicated. Cause I got all these other people who are also lording over people in position of power. I'm just going to go ahead and centralize this thing. So he invites 200 ish boyers, which was like, that's the name for their, Wallachian nobility, or kind of higher class, invites him to a feast for Easter. This seems like a common theme, too. I am mean, gonna. this is very specific. After the meal, really, right in the middle.
1: Hey, I've heard autumn winds more than one time, okay?
0: <laughs> so, after the meal, his men seize everybody, and any of the old and infirmed, which... I, I love that history uses that term. Infirmed, yeah. I don't I I know it's not a good descript, like it's not good to be infirmed, but but they're taking it's a soft yeah. soft. So this is when people start getting impaled. He takes the old and infirmed beyond the city and impales all of them on giant wooden spikes. And Adam, can you paint me a picture of what uh, an impaling is?
1: <laughs> it's the second guy we talk about did a lot of gross stuff. This is not as gross, but it's. I, you it's, don't become Vlad the Impaler
0: when you impale like people like hey, it was just a couple times. Like no, I don't know it, why this nickname stuck.
1: Thousands and tens of thousands of soldiers and people. These are just like townspeople, though. Yes,
0: these are the these are the like royal class.
1: So basically, how you impale somebody is you would jam a stake in their ass, and he was. Oh, I don't think he did it in their ass in this scenario. Well, it, that's how impaling works. But in this scenario, what he did... What you been did, watching?
0: Huh? What have you been watching? What do you mean? I think you were watching the wrong, wrong impaling. That's how they sit them on <laughs> Where They put them in their taint? No, they would put it... What they would do
1: is they would get them on their back. There's multiple ways to do okay, it. Okay, what I heard is the descriptors... Deadpool does it... He gets impaled. Yes. And that's through his front.
0: Yes. Because he's leaning down over. Okay. It. Whether it be anally or the other method. So they would take them on. And think of how big these fucking trees had to be. For you to like get someone and not have it bend as you like. Because they would start impaling them. The stakes. Oh. That they would have to make.
1: They're out. probably only like three,
0: four feet tall. The, No, I think the way it sounded and stuff. These things were at least like six or seven feet. Because what would happen is they would start people being impaled and the way they wouldn't stay high up on the stakes. As soon as they got them started on the impaling, they would then get guys to lift the stakes up vertically, put them into the holes in the ground, so and they'd then slide down. and they would start sliding down them. But they said it could take days. Like if it didn't yeah. hit certain areas, it could take days to kill these people.
1: Well, the the ter- the worst er thing that he did worst maybe of this whole impaling deal. Was When people would be impaled back in the day, they used to make them very sharp and pointy. So when it got in, you'd slide down mm-hmm. easy. His were dull. Yeah. So it would take longer and longer to slide down. It's still going into you. Like, it's mm-hmm. still tearing through you. It's yeah. just doing it at a snail's pace. So it's extra bad.
0: And so he, he feeds everyone and then does this to all the um, old and infirm people. So he's like, you're not in use to me. Impale. At least you got free mail. Yep. The young and the able body were chained and marched 50 miles to the, like, mouth of this big river. And when they got there, they saw all of these, like, um, kilns and big brick ovens that were making these giant blocks and bricks. And he forced these people to rebuild a castle for him. And then after they died or he put them to death after they got done building this castle, he gives all of their land to, like, the peasants in mm-hmm. the area. And then all of their titles and roles that they had in society he gives those, like government positions and everything, he gives those to the peasants. And I don't know how they picked among the peasants, like who got those. I don't know if he was just like, who can count? And one guy raises his hand and he's like, you sheep farmer,
1: you're now the treasurer. But
0: Well, and the peasant class
1: had to have been much bigger than the royal class. It
0: was. He's. This is the way he was intelligent. So I think, you know, Madness, like in these kind of people, madness and intelligence are just like intertwined, but it's almost like they, it's because they don't have any limitations on them, I think is why the madness kicks in. So the big thing he realized was that the peasant class by far, like, like 95% of the people were in the peasant class. And he was like, okay, by getting rid of all these people and giving them land and also giving them roles in society, I'm gaining the allegiance of 95% of my populace, and I have a loyal army because that's who the army was pulled from. If, If he was having to do it the other way with these boyars in charge, he's got to get a hold of them and be like, hey, can you guys gather up your army? And then he would have, you know, seven or eight or the world or 200 of these people. So however many... Of these feudal lords, would then have to gather up each of their armies. He would have to fight with in squabbling between them if one lord didn't like the other. And he was like, "No, he's like this isn't effective. I'm just going to take it all over, and it'll just be one Wallachian army."
1: If it's just one force to look over, everything is going to be streamlined. One force it,
0: with one goal, and they're all under command of like one one guy. They're all going into battle at the exact same mm-hmm. time. You're not
1: waiting for a they squad all. To show they all up. have
0: the same tactics. It's oh. you know, it's it's smart. Unfortunately,
1: be- it wasn't enough.
0: because
1: Radu and Mehmed the second came calling, and when they did, it just vlad he was going against the Ottoman Empire that used to back him. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he was trained by these people. So going into a Vlad's crazy like a fox, like you were saying. like he he's nuts, but he's nuts in a smart way. He was taught by the same people that are sending these forces in.
0: Well, and at the time when he, um, when the Sultan came into power, of um, Mehmed II, he required Vlad. He's like, "Hey, you need to show up to Constantinople and come pay homage to me." And Vlad was like, uh, "Yeah, I can't make it." It's like, "What?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm not coming." So that's like a huge, huge insult.
1: Big slap in the face mm-hmm. for sure.
0: And there were. <laughs> All these like instances of envoys from other company or countries and ambassadors coming in, so at what point, four ambassadors for the Sultan come shown up, and um, back then is probably still is you know tradition today. They wear the skull caps.:
1: Yeah, so they were wearing the skull oh, caps. These four ambassadors were wearing
0: the skull caps underneath their other hats, and so when they came in, they removed their hats. To you know, show respect to to Vlad. Vlad's like, what are you guys wearing under those? And they're like, oh, these are our skull caps. He's like, you need to take those off. And he's like, he, they're like, yeah, we we can't do that. Like we we're not even we don't even have to do that in front of the Pope if he asked. He's like, oh, you're not going to take those off. So he has his guys seize him and drive three nails. Into their heads to hold the caps on.
1: Each one of them got a nail square right in the middle to make sure that cap never came off.
0: Well, that was the time. This was the time when he did three of them. There was another time when two ambassadors show up and he knew that they couldn't take off the caps. And so when they showed up, he's like, you need to take those off. And they're like, we can't do that. Well, he had the two nails and the two hammers already sitting on the table yeah. sitting right there, and he's Pre-meditation. like, "Yeah," and because he, he knew he was just <laughs> like, "I know these motherfuckers can't take this off. <laughs> Let's see what they say." Ready, mind. and think of this too. This isn't like a nail is is bad enough. Just the thought of a nail, but like think of the nails back then when it was actually like basically Square, a metal spike. Three a metal spike long, is what it was. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, I, and this is so much like the. Uh, the samurai episode that we did when the Mongolians kept sending over the um, convoy to come and meet them mm-hmm. and the Japanese people or the samurai just kept killing them mm-hmm. and the Mongolians kept sending them and they just kept dying. And it's like maybe after a while we need to get this figured out. Like Our
0: guys aren't shown back. Home. Yeah, they, yeah, nobody's
1: coming back from mm-hmm. these. That's probably bad.
0: Well, during the time he's ruling too, Vlad starts to kind of he he starts diversifying his torture pol- portfolio. He's like, I love the impaling thing that's my name. That's my bread and butter. But then he's like, it's getting a little bored sometimes. Let me see what I can come up with. So then he starts boiling people and he had special, um, device for boiling of it. So it was a huge cauldron. And then on top of it was like, basically like the stocks that your head and your arms Mm -hmm. go in, but face them up facing up. So he would have their head and their hands being able to stick out underneath would be the water that they were being boiled alive in. Uh, he would do burning skinning, um, well, after he boiled them alive, he would feed them to their friends. That was the gypsy thing. Yeah. So he... That was when he went out and he had this thing about some of his crazy... Fu- he had some weird-ass fucking laws. Oh, yeah. And things that he was against. So one of the things was against, like, um, the gypsies that lived in his country. He felt that they were a... Like a drain on society and they were criminals. So he went and... What did he do? He captured one or some one of them offended him. He boiled him alive and then made all the other gypsies eat the boiled meat.
1: Boiling somebody alive takes a special person. Feeding them to their friends after that takes a whole nother level.
0: Didn't he kill them too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He Uh, killed them after he did that. What is it with him feeding people first and then killing them? Because he does it again. He goes out and he gathers all the known thieves and beggars invites them to a feast, which, fucking red flag, first of all, if you're a thief or a beggar, lets them eat, feeds them, and then sets fire to the inside of the hall and kills them all.
1: He had to draw him in somehow. He also, I, I'm not sure if, the, I think this was during a battle, they captured, I think it was a general, and instead of killing him, they cut open his horse, they shoved him all the way in the horse, and just left his head sticking out, and then sewed the dead horse up. So it was like like when you bury somebody in the sand mm-hmm. at the beach, like up to their neck. They did that inside of a horse. And so that meant that when all the other animals would come to feed Ooh. on him, he would get eaten, like his head would get eaten first because it's sticking outside the horse, Ooh. and then the rest of them would go in. Like, that's that's not even torture. That's just like, you have to drive some pleasure out of thinking that. He
0: had... Um this weird thing about unchast who he deemed were unchast women. And so women that were either not married or women that had slept with other women's husbands, he um, impaled them, but he did it on red hot steaks with them. Um, oh, and the other, Oh, this was the thing. Um, he was going, um, he didn't like a lot of like poor people. He didn't like old people, and he didn't like like super poor. that were like a drain, what he felt were a drain on society. So he would dress up in disguises and go into villages. He also didn't like dissent, of course. He's the leader. So he would actually try to like overhear conversations, and if he felt that people weren't like with him, he would kill those people. He saw a dude that had kind of like a ratty shirt on, and he went up to the guy, and he's like, Oh, the guy with the half shirt? Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> uh, what's going on? So he, he would do these kangaroo courts, in these towns. And so he was just the, he would bring people in front of him. They would have to argue their case. And then he was, he'd already made the determination because they were in court in the first place, but he was asking the guy and he was like, are you married? And the guy's like, yeah. He's like, well, I'm guessing your wife doesn't have a lot to do and everything. So you shouldn't be wearing a shirt that's in that condition. So he fucking has the guy's wife impaled and then goes and picks out. And he's like, this is your wife now and picks out another woman for him. And is like, here you go.
1: He does things like that that make him sound so bad, and I don't know if you saw it, but there was a, a merchant that came through town and ended up getting stopped there, and this guy thought that he was screwed. Like, he thought that Vlad mm-hmm. was going to kill him. So, he comes out into the square, talks to him, and he's like, yeah, I got room and board for you. Come on in. You can stay the night. You're safe here. We'll give you portage or whatever you want to call it.
0: He's like, leave your cart.
1: Yeah, leave it's your fine. cart right here in the square. If you leave it in the square, nothing will be touched. Mm-hmm. So, guy comes back the next day and sees that he had 35 pieces of gold, I'm going to call them, right? 100, 160. 160? 160 ducats. Ducats. That's right. Ducats. Was, I was going to say doubloons, but that's pirates.
0: Here comes the ducats. Ducats, 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 ducats.
1: So, he um, shows back up and tells the guards, hey, I left my my cart here. Somebody left all that stuff, but they stole 160 gold ducats from me. And that makes its way back to Vlad. Vlad says, don't he worry a, about
0: it. He had a big thing for merchants. He was like, you guys are totally good. Well, he area.
1: wanted to draw business to his town, I'm well, sure.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, Wallachia. so because of its location, Wallachia was basically, it's like a crossroads kind of. And so anything going between Constantinople and the Ottomans, you still had, it wasn't like, you know, the rulers of these areas didn't like each other, but trade and you know, merchants were going back and forth between these places all the time. So that wasn't, like, stopped.
1: Well, Lakeview was, that's why it was a hotbed, because it was right there. And
0: so a lot of their money would come from trade and merchants. And so he was like, yeah, it's money. Protect the merchants.
1: And that's exactly what he did. He told the guy, he says, hang out here another day. I'll round up the guys. Mm -hmm. We'll go find the guy that robbed you. We'll get your money back. Don't worry about it. In the meantime, he tells the guards to go back down to the guy's cart and put 161 ducats in there. Mm-hmm. And guy goes back to his cart eventually, finds the money, comes back as he's coming into the court. Um, they're dragging some dude in that they caught that stole the, the money, the, the ducats. And Merchant comes up to Vlad. He goes, hey, I know that I made a big deal about this. I actually found them. I'm sorry. And Vlad's like, no big deal. Don't worry about it. Go ahead, take off. We'll take care of this guy. You can keep on your way. Guy turns around and he goes, I actually found 161 instead of the – or 151 instead of the – 161.
0: 161? Yeah, so Vlad basically told his guys, he's like, go replace the money. Put in 161.
1: So this guy returns the extra ducat that he had. Vlad goes – Good move, man. Thanks for doing that. Because if you had walked away and tried to keep that extra ducat, I was going to kill you and kill this guy. Now I'm just going to kill this guy. Yeah, he's like, I was
0: going to impale you next to him had you not turned in that extra ducat.
1: So he did have a little bit of mercy in him, but it was still like somebody was still getting impaled that day. It wasn't. How many people never turned in that ducat? Probably a lot. And there were probably a lot of them that ended up getting impaled. But unfortunately, when Radu... And Mehmed come in. Um, He's forced out again. He's imprisoned by the Ottomans. Radu is put in power in Wallachia, so he gets taken over. Vlad gets taken to prison and seems like he has a great time. Vlad hangs out with these people and, like, becomes really good friends with them. They teach him more torture techniques. They said that while he was in prison, he would ask them to go down to the market and buy birds so he could tear birds' heads off. And, like, torture stuff, like, still in Dad, prison. you
0: are my bitch lover.
1: Like, <laughs> he was catching mice in his prison cell. And was How like, long before the mice all agreed, hey, guys, yeah, clear that fucking cell? I know this guy, Carl's new. Mm-hmm. Uh, just don't go in there. That guy's going to catch you, and he's going to do some freaky shit to you. He's going to bite your fucking head off. But In between all these random animal tortures in prison, they're letting him out. They're talking to him. They're hanging out with him. They realize that Vlad's a pretty sweet dude. Like, he's very cool. And he works his way through prison enough to where he's let out, and the ruler of the area that had him in prison mm-hmm. gave him a wife. It was her I think it was his daughter, maybe it was mm. either his daughter or niece or something like that gives Vlad a wife so Vlad scores another wife, and i did they get a castle too I'm not sure I think it was a castle that was up on the mountain because his second wife ends up i think jumping out of a of the castle, Why maybe? Why not she? Something, I, I, something weird. I'm sick of the screams! <laughs> I can't handle the screams! So, after he builds up the army to go back, which, of course, I'm sure that was like, once he got out of prison, he's like, okay, I'm starting to need some guys. Mm-hmm. Like, let's let's start rallying the troops and making this happen. The third reign, Vlad decides to commit to um, converting, and when he converts to Catholicism, Catholicism. Catholicism. I don't know why I can't (laughs) fucking get that right at all. Catholicism. Um, He was installed as a ruler of the area that he was in and where his castle was, but he has plans to head back. And um, he ends up heading back. I believe they do war. He doesn't kill Radu. I don't think I saw that.
0: I can't remember if he does.
1: I think he's just installed maybe...
0: Yeah, there's After some Radu. there's some way that he ends up taking power again. Sorry for the vagueness of that, but this is kind of within the the reason this is going to wrap up quick. With this guy is literally within like months of him being, um, you know, him ruling, Wallachia again. He's killed.
1: Hey, he's killed by a guy named Basarab with Ottoman support. So he comes back as Catholic. Ends up taking back over Wallachia, and then the Ottomans are like, nah, we, we can't have this happen. They get this Basarab guy in there, he comes in, he cleans house, and he ends up... Does he behead Vlad? Is that what happens to him?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how he... We...
1: And there's something about he his body was buried, but they still can't find his head. Which, oh god, this is a great segue. Because Vlad loses his head Mm -hmm. and loses the crown. Our next contestant on this episode is going to be someone who collects heads. So just to wrap up, Vlad, um, like we said in the beginning, he was uh, the inspiration for Bram Stoker writing Dracula. Mm -hmm. And uh, something that does kind of confuse me is, did Vlad have pointy teeth? Like, where'd that come from? Is that a bat thing?
0: Um, I wanna say I don't know where some of the legends started coming with, you know, coming up with Vlad. I wanna say there was something about like bats in Romania or around the area they was in, because it also shifted to Transylvania. It wasn't Wallachia. So I don't know if when you know Bram Stoker was writing this if you, be you know the thing is too is Bram Stoker really mm-hmm. isn't the first one to come up with the whole vampire thing really no because remember like old those old silent movies that you see and it's the really creepy like Nosferatu yeah so I think kind of what occurred is maybe Vlad the Impaler Bram Stoker's looking for inspiration for the character and everything. And there's this guy here that lived up in, you know, the mountains of Wallachia, which is probably the same type of like Romania, Romania and everything like Transylvania. And, but then starts picking these things out from it. So like part of also now the whole Vlad it's Vlad the Impaler. And I guess where it's kind of the Dracula thing splits off is he ends up making like a pact with the devil to continue being the ruler of, of, Transylvania Wallachia And it ends up turning him into this like, you know, this demon who has to feed on the blood of these people. Um, And even in some iterations, he's still like he doesn't do it to his subjects. He's like the hero of Romania still and everything because he protects his people. But then you also get like the Bram Stoker version where he's, you know, just kind of like the ruler of an area and kind of a recluse. But it's kind of cool that he takes the aspect for Dracula because Vlad the Impaler impaled people on spikes, that Dracula's one method of being killed would be being killed by a wooden spike.
1: Did you hear where that came from, like, actually? Mm-mm. So when they would bury people, occasionally, I and I don't know if it was just back then or it still happens, but... Is this the bury people alive thing? Well, so their bodies post-mortem, there was something about they didn't have rigor, like... The people back then in that area, they wouldn't have rigor mortis after they passed away, and they would still have spasms after they died. It was like post-life spasms, Mm -hmm. and they were concerned that these people were going to come back to life, and so they would drive a stake through the center of them down into the coffin to to make sure them in place. Yeah, to hold them in place so they couldn't do that. Can
0: you imagine if you know? Because there's people were buried alive all the time when they're like in comas and everything. Can you imagine Mm -hmm. when? they went to do that to someone who wasn't actually, and that's what killed him. And that person it, fucking wakes up. I was like, ah, and they're like, Damon, and just fucking, did. they're like, that's probably what it, what happened is one time that happened. <laughs> fucking uncle Ronnie takes too deep of a nap or gets too drunk, isn't responding to like uncle Ronnie's dead. They go to drive the steak in as it fucking kills him. He wakes up and they're like, Oh God! It's a zombie. We have to do this all the time. These <laughs> bodies come back to
1: life. Can't believe that Roddy died because of alcoholism. Actually, he died from a big hammer to the forehead, but that's that's a different story.
0: All right. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's crazy that like this is still so like Dracula being much more popular in just mythology and everything, but it all coming from this guy. What do you think would happen if there wasn't this? What do you think we would have instead of Dracula, if they decided to base this on? Can you imagine if it was not Dracula? Like we didn't know
1: that name being synonymous with vampires? It just never. Well, it would vampires be a thing?
0: They still had Nosferatu before that. I think before this. Yeah.
1: Really. No, I thought because well, that I'm was after.
0: Well, no, I'm wondering when it actually got associated with Vlad the Impaler being a vampire. I think that might be a more modern thing, but Nosferatu was. Based on like previous urban legends about creatures that would drink the blood of you know villagers and things like that,
1: so we would still have vampires, but th- yeah, it, it would just completely they wouldn't be like called- he's the vampire, yeah, he's Dracula, yeah. And uh, what's the lady version? Oh, uh, Velma, yeah.
0: no, are you thinking
1: like. I could swear that there was wasn't like the El- monster's wife wasn't oh she wasn't Munster? like she
0: was just a, a I think the I think grandpa there was something about the monsters there was like this running gag that the grandpa may have been Dracula cuz well, the yeah. the daughter wasn't like a famous one she was just like
1: I thought there were lady lady vampires maybe not
0: I don't know if there were any famous ones I mean I'm sure there are Is that Queen of the Damn movie that sweet movie with Aaliyah? RIP
1: <laughs> and I mean, they still some some still drink blood.
0: All right i I'm ready for I'm ready for Gene. You ready for Ed? I'm ready for Ed Gene. You ready for Easy Ed? All right. So just so everyone knows on this one, I'm going to be asking a lot of questions because I don't know a lot about Ed Gene. I know a lot about the characters that are based on Ed Gene. So what I'm looking forward to is hearing about him and being able to pick out which portions they used for which characters.
1: I it's and I, I'm going to have a lot of questions. Ed's a simple man, but he is a smorgasbord of crazy and. Luckily for Chris, having the questions, I really take a lot of interest—maybe too much sometimes—in reading and learning about serial killers. Not so much because I enjoy the the blood and the guts, but just the the working minds behind some of these—the psychology behind it. Yeah, and Ed is a psychologist. Dream like if Freud and Ed Gein met, Freud would nut in his drawers. Because Ed Gein is like the total tell me about your mother that Freud would ask everybody.
0: Before we get into this, I don't want to have to get up and pee during yeah. this section. Bathroom break. Okay. All right. Second half coming up. All right. While well, we take a break from class and uh, take care of some business, you can also take care of some business.
1: If you don't follow us on Instagram or Twitter already, our Instagram handle is historically high pod. That's historically high pod. And our Twitter is Historically High. That's Historically H-I.
0: All right, and back to our show.
1: away from Appleton, Wisconsin, which is where our man Houdini was born, or came to America last week. Ooh. So for as big and as intertwined as Europe is, Ed Gein grew up 60 miles away from Harry Houdini. Nice. And that, to me, it's absolutely meaningless. There, <laughs> there's really Different no time point. frames and everything. Just the simple fact, though, that we did... Houdini in the last episode, yeah. We're keeping it close. So, old Ed's born August 27th, 1906, to uh, George and Augusta. And George and Augusta were two very polar opposite people. And I don't really want to get, like, too detailed. But Augusta plays probably the biggest role of what fucked Ed up pretty much his whole life. But George played a little role, too. George was just a career drunk that could never hold down a job. Whereas Augusta was a very religious woman who was just a fanatic. She was, I think she was Lutheran, but she took, like, religion to a whole other step. Mm-hmm. Almost puritanical, if you will, okay. from two weeks ago. So we're tying that around. I'm going to make, you You keep talking, I'm going to make a little graph
0: of the three <laughs> characters and I'm going to make little notes about what falls into what characters. So, Oh, do you want to say what characters are based on or are you going to... Oh. Because people can, um, hey, play along.
1: Yeah, yeah, play along. See if you can pick this out. So Ed Gein is the muse, if you will, for Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs, Um, Norman Bates, obviously, and Augusta is who's based on um, Norma Bates. Mm -hmm. And then most famously he's based on Leatherface. And I would say the Leatherface part would be, probably his max creepy, but I really think that his relationship with his mom almost, hey, we'll get to what he did, leather face wise, but George was just a career loser. The guy could never keep a job. He couldn't keep the family going. And on top of being an alcoholic, he had Augusta at home to just always give him shit and always ride his ass about what he was doing. And of course, she's not a real big fan of him being an alcoholic. She's a fanatic. So she would scream at him he, unfortunately, would get a little handsy and rough with her. And one day they decide, I hate you, you hate me. Let's do the logical thing here. Let's have kids. Because kids fix everything, apparently. Everybody and if anything, that. it might just give you a buffer. So, like, maybe you both hate the kid instead of hating each other as yeah, much. It's the, it's, you know,
0: it's when everyone in America loves each other, when there's someone we can all hate together.
1: So... Henry's born first, and Henry's a, a nice boy. Henry's a little bit more normal than his younger brother that's coming. Um, when Ed's born, the family's still living in lacrosse, and they end up somehow getting a hold of, I think it was Augusta's parents maybe had bought a supermarket and put George in charge as a manager. Mm-hmm. Well, George sucks so bad that he started out as manager, and in the end, he ended up as a stockroom attendant. Like, that's how poorly he could keep he a job. He just done it for the love of the product. Well, he <laughs> he looked, yeah, maybe that was, he was a he purist. Liked, love he didn't like numbers. Shelves. He liked stock and mm-hmm. shelves, yeah. So Augusta also worked there. She worked the register. She kind of worked her way up. They turned it enough into a success to be able to buy a very large farm, a large piece of property in Plainfield. Uh, and Plainfield, <laughs> this whole area, dude, is just... It's desolate. And there's nothing to do but fucking kill people, I guess. I, uh, Yeah, that, that really could be. And uh, there's not a lot of people there. There's not a lot of, like, fancy attractions or anything like that. So they're kind of left to their own devices, but then get pushed even further because Augusta doesn't like girls, doesn't like women, mm. really doesn't like females. And I'm sure maybe her mom sucked or something like that. So this is where she gets the fanaticism. But she used to tell Henry and Ed that women were just basically harlots in makeup and tight skirts. And that they needed to stay away. They needed to resist. They needed to not fraternize with anybody. And Ed in school... And the devil's in her pants. <laughs> yeah. I, she, she, We'll get into some of the weird shit okay, that she so said. So we're already at a Norman
0: Bates thing. And yeah. then also... Tying it back into Sons of the Lambs and Buffalo Bill in another way, the uh, movie Red Dragon, the one with Ed Norton, Mm -hmm. the guy that, because Lecter is in, that's before Sons of the Lambs, and Ed Norton's the one that arrests Lecter. The cop, the killer that they're going after, his name is the Tooth Fairy, and his mother, the reason he's doing it is because his mother was like this woman. (laughs) Like uh, there were things where if he like peed the bed or if he had like a wet dream or something like that, and he woke up in it. He would, she would make him hold his dick while she held a pair of scissors by and she's like, "Do you want me to cut off this filthy thing?" So even that ties into another character.
1: But we're just going well, to do the three. So we're- and to land on that, she once caught Ed exploring himself in the bathtub as young men do mm-hmm. from time to time. I. Would assume if I could fit in a bathtub, I'd probably still maybe mm. explore a little bit. Bathtub, shower, uh, yeah, pub, public pool. <laughs> she catches him jerking You're his girth, Brown. <laughs> yeah, or or at at Saudi pool, it, she catches him jerking it in the tub, and her answer you to that, to the splashing, uh, probably, yeah. probably. <laughs> what did it take a rowboat in there? what, what is that noise? <laughs> a lot of playing in there. <laughs> so. His punishment for this is she goes and gets boiling water and pours it all over his junk. So, obviously not a very good thing. She lectures him. She tells him, this is a sin of the flesh. You shouldn't be doing this. This is disgusting. And he, she routinely teaches Ed and Henry out of the book of Revelation in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with the book of Revelation. Not kid-friendly Is things. that the fire and brimstone shit? Yes. In it's the second coming. It's how everything happens the seventh seal all that goofy shit it's not something that you would want oh, to read the rap- as the rapture yes empathy, okay. the rapture not something you'd want to read as a bedtime story mm-hmm. like that's that's probably pretty far and henry started to kind of realize that the relationship between ed and augusta was very close and very awkward and he really wasn't a fan of it. He would try to go out and meet girls and make friends and that kind of thing. Whereas when Ed would do it, Ed would come home and say, hey, mom, I met somebody today. She would start breaking down that kid's parents and talking about how they're bad people, bad Christians and all that. And just kind of try to steer him away from everybody, mm-hmm. almost to keep her to himself. And there were parts of the farm where they weren't really allowed
0: Mother. to
1: go. Mother. Uh, I'm sure that was – if you see a picture of him, he's a goofy-looking dude. Mm -hmm. And you can just picture almost like a sling blade-type voice with him a little bit. Mother. (laughs) Yeah. So one day when they're out on the farm, um, Ed follows his mom out to the butcher and shack that they have outside. I think it's just – a. it seemed like it was a big – like a shed Mm -hmm. that they would butcher the hogs in. And Augusta had forgot to close the door. So, his first experience with like a body and knives and different things like that was he snucks or he sneaks in he sees Augusta butchering a hog, and Augusta doesn't realize what's going on. She's sliced the pig down the stomach, she's pulled out the entrails, put him in a bucket. really just kind of gross graphic stuff for a kid who I think he was at tw- he was twelve at this point mm-hmm. uh She turns around and sees him and sees just this bewildered, scared look on his face. And instead of yelling at him like she did 99% of the time, for some reason at this point, she asked him how he felt or how it made him feel to watch that. Ed told her that he was confused emotionally about it. And I don't think he said the words confused emotionally because he probably didn't Mm -hmm. have that kind of vocabulary, but what he was confused about was he got an erection and he nutted in his pants watching this happen. So his first sexual experience was watching a pig get slaughtered, which that's just not a good roadmap for a human being. Mm -hmm. At that point, maybe we need to start looking at other people to take care of you. Mm. So he's living with that and trying to figure that out. Augusta is holding them back from meeting anybody really. And she basically tells them like, you're not allowed to have wives. I'm the only female that you need in your life. Henry's not listening to this. He's sneaking off and going to the roller rink and all Mm -hmm. that. But Ed's buying this hook, line and sinker. And unfortunately, um, Ed's father ends up dying of alcoholism. Probably a sweet relief for him, I would imagine, having to deal with Augusta all the time. And when Ed's dad dies, he gets like this great write up in the paper. Augusta tries to put lipstick on mm-hmm. the pig that she slaughtered, and he's a great man, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And by all accounts, people really did like Ed's father, but he just was always a loser. He was like, probably
0: like a good time, Charlie. He was a good yeah. time, but no one ever took him seriously. No f-
1: Fun hang, but uh-huh. you're not going to depend on him for anything. So after that happens, Ed just, he lost his dad. He gets closer to his mom. Um, later on down the line, I think they were about 16 at this point, maybe Henry's, I think two years older. Uh, they go out into the pasture to burn the, f- uh, like the weeds and everything that was encroaching on the area. And there's a little question as to whether this fire was something that they were just fucking around and did, or if it was intentional, but this fire gets started. And Ed tells the police that when the fire got started, he sent Henry one way, he went the other way. They put the fire out. When he came back to look for Henry, Henry wasn't there. So he turns him in as a missing persons. They get a group to come out with him, the group of police Ed leads them right to the body. Mm -hmm. And not only did he lead them right to the body, but where this field was on fire, you see all the burn and all the char and everything. Mm -hmm. Henry's body hasn't been touched. It's completely not burnt. Everything it's not in the
0: burnt It's in an area of fire didn't get to. Uh, no, he,
1: he was laying on top of the burnt area. Oh, okay. So they're immediately suspicious. They're so like, well, if he died in the fire, why isn't he burned too?
0: Oh, the body had been in the previously burnt
1: area. Where yes. Killed so it was like he might have been planted there. And they also get suspicious because it wasn't like they were out there for an hour. Ed led him to the body pretty quick. They ask him about that. And weird, creepy young Ed's response is, it's weird how that happens, huh? And when they take him into the autopsy, they see that he's got a, I think it's a fractured skull, but they end up ultimately saying it was asphyxiation, he died of the smoke and the fire. So Ed gets let off the hook. This was probably his first murder. It may not have been, but just the circumstances in which it happened, it feels like maybe Henry not being pumped about his little brother. I'm going
0: to say, based on the stuff you're going to tell me, Further down, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, yeah, yeah
1: I, I I fully agree. I think that that was probably his first one. So um, Ed loses his dad, loses George, then he loses Henry. So it's just him and his mom he at loses this his point. Dad, then he
0: loses Hen- Henry. Now it's Augusta.
1: Well, yeah, Augusta comes later on, but just until that happens, until she has her first stroke, he's just all he's doing is hanging out around the farm Mm -hmm. with his mom that's all he's doing so that's all they're just forming a stronger and stronger bond until one day Augusta has a stroke and she's never really the same after that she needs to be taken care of by Ed well Ed jumps at this opportunity because he's like yeah I can finally take care of my mom the way that she took care of me unfortunately Augusta doesn't make it very much longer and ends up croaking and dying finally and her obituary in the paper is like six lines (laughs) like it's like here, or Augusta died on this day. She's preceded in death by George and her son Henry, mm-hmm. but also still has Ed and just Stop. not this a guy's not a great penman. No, not a great. No, no one
0: left to write it that has the ability to to write something lovely.
1: Oh, and I'm sure Plainfield was so big, all of the two pages were taken up by like cattle getting out. Oh, so yeah. maybe there just wasn't enough room. But Ed is now left by himself on a big old farm with basically nothing he he just lost his mom he's distraught this was the lady that was the apple of his eye he just he absolutely had this weird morbid fascination with her and he's still doing stuff around town to earn money like odd jobs and working kind of with different farmers and Mm -hmm. things like that as far as like baling hay or anything and by all accounts they the people like thought that he was a a fairly good hand like he was he was Good I'm, I'm
0: guessing he probably had some sympathy from the community having lost his brother. Also, too, like, don't you think that there would have been some suspicion in the community, too, thinking he killed his brother?
1: Hey, there might have been, but I think when you're out there and you're that rural, maybe the news either doesn't spread as fast that way, or maybe there were just accidents that happened on farms. Like it, I'm sure back then, because was, he was born in 1906, so this would have been the 30s. They probably got a lot of other shit going on that they're not thinking. Maybe it was a murder. Oh yeah, people coming back from World War One a few years
0: prior, and the Great Depression recovery from that. And yeah, no,
1: they, yeah, they just could have thought it was an accident. So George is working around town. Hey. He's he's making friends. Yeah. Unfortunately, one of the things Ed, that- you said, George, er, shit, Ed. Uh, one of the things that he was doing around town that seems very bad, and I'm sure a lot of people got a bad taste in their mouths after they found everything that they found, he was babysitting children. They let this dude babysit kids. And I he wasn't like a big old fish fella, but he wasn't really conventionally handsome. A little bit of a weird guy, but they trusted enough to let him hang out with kids, which I... Can you imagine... We'll just leave that. ...that there's a
0: generation of people... Still alive, maybe still alive today at this point, that
1: were babysat by Ed Gein, and that can tell it as a story. Uh, They're probably old as shit, but I think Ed died in 1988, is when it happened. Yeah, but what I'm saying is,
0: if he's that old and he's babysitting those kids, maybe were five, six, seven, and if they were five, six, and seven at that time, they could still be alive and able to be, you know, able to be communicating. That's that's crazy. Like huh? I bet there is some type of like, there's had to have been interviews from people that were babysat by him.
1: Tons. They've they've talked to everybody in Plainfield, which isn't a whole lot of people, but they've gotten a lot, or they got initially a lot of feedback mm-hmm. from the public in the area. We'll get into kind of how the area of Plainfield and kind of around it dealt with Ed mm-hmm. after they found everything, because they kind of had to go where I have to go with Ed to just. Laugh so you don't cry, yeah. basically. So, Ed is so distraught after Augusta dies that he stops showering, he stops shaving, stops really taking care of himself, but he's still working out in Mother public. Mother used to wash me. I don't know how to do it. And, yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe she shaved him and washed him and all that, so he just gives up on that. But he ends up taking a liking to a lady named Mary Hogan... And she was a bartender in town. And I think it was in Plainfield still. I don't think it was outside of Plainfield. But she looked damn near Augusta. Just so close. She was a big German lady. She came back from World War Two. She was a vet. So she was rough and tumble. Mm-hmm. Real sturdy gal. And Ed liked going into the bar and hanging out with her. He didn't necessarily like her so much because she wasn't like the proper version of what he was supposed to be taught that women Mm -hmm. were. Like she cussed, she spit, she drank, all the shit that Augusta would have hated. But he was so enamored by her that he would just have to continue to come visit her. And it turns very south for her very quickly. Go on. You got a a puzzled look on your face. No, I'm
0: just like, I'm I'm reading something on the board and they're going to explain it, so I'm waiting for you to get to it.
1: So, one day, a customer walks into the bar, doesn't see Mary, doesn't know where she is, um, walks up to the bar and sees a trail of blood leading out the back door, and calls the police. They come investigate, take a look at her, see what's going on. Can't find her anywhere. Assume that her kind of shady, rough and tumble past may have caught up with her and may have been the reason that she's she a was woman bartender. Well, yeah, and she was, like I say, she's a big old German lady, had kind of run some schemes before mm-hmm. she had into playing field. so they just kind the, of... The, the always
0: classic, her past caught up with her type reasoning. Well, well, yeah, we don't know.
1: have to... A, she's a woman, so we mm-hmm. don't have to investigate that. Hard. B, she wasn't a proper woman, so maybe that just yeah. takes care of the investigation. Though, so I'll add, Still hanging around town, still going and working on farms with these other guys. They never like so they in that investigation
0: they didn't find the body.
1: Nope, they just just called it off. They just just... trail
0: of blood and then okay.
1: Yep, and so as Ed's working around town, everybody kind of known that he had had a little bit of an affinity for Mary, Mm -hmm. and they would joke with him. They'd sit around at lunch and they'd joke with him, like, "Man, Ed, had you." Really tried to pursue her romantically and, you know, tried to date her. There's a good chance that Mary would be at your house right now, cooking you dinner instead of gone and missing. Mm-hmm. And Ed would get this little wry smile on his face and he would say, Oh no, I got her. She's out at the farm right now and kind of chuckle to himself. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, dude. Like mm-hmm. sure she is. She got picked up. Like this is something bad happened to her. Like funny joke, dude, whatever. So his second victim was a lady named Bernice Warden, and she was a hardware store owner, and she also bore a very striking resemblance to Ed's mom. So he clearly has a archetype in his head mm-hmm. of what kind of woman he likes. One well, and- thing too is there, he's killing these women, so the, the you know the
0: like at a glance psychological diagnosis for that would be like he's obsessed with his mother but he hates his mother so he's killing his mother as many times as he can yeah it's not like he's keeping these women captive
1: he's not because he's killing them before he gets to him but i think there's a certain like
0: do you think before this he's approaching these women before he has to kill them and is trying to like establish like a relationship with him oh yeah like a it... motherly relationship with them and being like here here's the deal i need him i need my mom and he met mom. Like, gonna, and then they get freaked out, and he's like, well, you got to die now.
1: I think he's befriending them to try to maybe get close to him, but it's not like the connection that he wants. Or they think it's fucking weird. I'm sure they do. I'm, I'm sure that a stinky man who hasn't shaved in years coming in and hitting on him is probably not high mm-hmm. on their this is good list. And one of the things with Bernice was her son knew that Ed was hanging out around the hardware store a lot. How how far apart are these? I think it was a year or two. Okay. I'm not, I don't know. Not a short period of time, though. Enough time for it
0: to kind of like the town to settle down and.
1: Well, the other thing that I forgot to mention that was working for Ed was when people would ask him to go out hunting. Mm-hmm. Like He'd go out, he'd shoot squirrels, he'd shoot birds, different things like mm-hmm. that. But he always refused to go hunt game. Like he wouldn't go hunt deer or anything like that. And it said that it was because he was squeamish about killing things. Oh, okay. And that he oh, didn't like Ed, to butcher Ed's, them. Ed's harmless. He doesn't have it in him. He he's yeah. just a bumbling guy that doesn't have that killer instinct. Gotcha, so man. I'm sure, like her past was obviously more important to look at than Ed being there and hanging out with her. nobody saw that. Nobody saw the crime. Yeah, they just saw the he was the most blood. unassuming person. Yep. Okay. And. So Bernice's son realized that Ed was hanging out. He didn't like it. He he was telling people around town, like, this isn't good. I, I don't like him hanging around my mom. He's a creep. And so Bernice's son comes in to see his mom at work, and she's gone. Just like Mary in the bar. Somebody shows up there. She's not there. There's a trail of blood. There's a spent showcasing that they find. And as he's looking around, the last sale rung up on the cash register was for ed gain so and like
0: how how did they like handwritten receipt yeah okay
1: so he had shot her after she had already written out the bill of sale for it and ed being the not smart guy because he wasn't dumb like he wasn't he didn't clever. get a great education clever he well, was and after they arrested him they did give him an iq test because they just do that with Mm -hmm. murderers and killers to study him. And he came back as average. It was like a 90. So he wasn't like a, a not smart person. Mm -hmm. He just didn't have like the social abilities to be able to function in public. He, he kind of stopped at like an age 12 of maturity because that was kind of where his parents stunted him. He Mm -hmm. didn't, he couldn't grow as a human beyond that point really. So being the curious guy that he is, he hears that there's a commotion in town. He hears that the police are showing up around the hardware store Old Ed goes back there to try to figure out what's going on, figure out what they know, anything like that. Come out with the receipt, see him standing in the crowd. Ed, come with us. We got some questions for you. Take him down to the station. One group takes him down to the station, the others go out to the farm because there had been rumors like kids or, yeah, kind of kids and younger adults that would go hunting with Ed, like as far as shooting birds or shooting squirrels or anything like that. Mm hmm. Ed would always brag about having like shrunken heads and different things. To I don't know if it was to like maybe try to share some interest with these kids. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that he was really into was he was into like murder mystery comic books and true crime comic books. Mm-hmm. And he had not kind of like
0: a, like not Scooby Doo,
1: no like crime novels. Okay, he had a real fascination Jack the type shit probably, huh? Jack the Ripper. Yeah, probably something like that. And I, I don't, they didn't really have true crime back then. So I'm sure it was a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. But he was obsessed with that. And he was also obsessed with talking to people about a World War II veteran that had come back and become transgendered. He had flown over to, I think it was like Amsterdam or something like that and had a sexual reassignment surgery. Okay. So went from male to female. And he had read through like doctor's books different things looking at, like, the human anatomy. And mm-hmm. so he was really kind of studying up on bodies and heads, different things like that. And people knew that because he would talk to him about it. And then he's joking about having these shrunken heads. He's having all this different kind of stuff. And these kids are thinking, like, oh, ha this is funny. Mm. Somebody might have caught a glimpse at some it's point. Just crazy Ed Yep, exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. eccentric guy. Crazy, harmless
0: Ed Gein. Yeah. Just
1: take him at surface level because he's really not that deep. So as they get out there... The first detective through the door walks inside, and they have something called a summer kitchen on the house. Which, in Plainfield and kind of in the Midwest, they didn't have AC back then. Mm. It gets hot on the plains, so they would have an exterior kitchen that they would do their outside cooking in, so it wouldn't heat up the rest of the house mm-hmm. throughout the day. And was it like in a sun porch, or was it actually outside? It was yeah, it was like a sun porch, okay. but it was framed in and everything. But it was like a whole separate kitchen that's gotcha, attached, okay. and. First detective walks in, takes a turn, walks into the, uh, summer kitchen, immediately walks back outside, throws up. Just, uh, the first thing that he saw in there, beyond the smell, just made him so sick that he had to leave and go outside and throw up. Second, investigators walk in like, whoa shit, what did that dude just see? Walk into the summer kitchen, and they find Bernice Warden's dead body hanging upside down off of meat hooks like off of game hooks mm-hmm. by her Achilles tendons, like by her ankles. And she's filleted open, no head, head's completely gone. They'll find the head later. But this was the first thing that they've really come in to see in his house. And it just shocks everybody. But they know immediately, like, this is this is Bernice. Ed did this. Like, this is a, a very crazy place to mm-hmm. be. As they're searching around the house, they start to notice these certain different things around the house that are off. They're seeing skull cups that are made from, like, hollowed-out skulls that have been bleached and then preserved. Like human? Human skulls, yes. And they're finding... You're, you're talking, like, Conan, the barbarian. Like, I will drink for the blood from the skulls of my enemies. Yep. He, he's making trash cans out of skulls and skin. They look over and they see a chair, and like a wicker chair. Mm-hmm. He took all the wicker out of the chair and fashioned human skin into a cross stitch pattern, like a cross hatch pattern
0: Mm -hmm.
1: on the chair. So he had a chair that was made of human skin. He had a lampshade that was made of a human face. And when I'm telling you this stuff, I'm starting out on the low end of the scale because then we're going to get into the shoeboxes. First shoebox, they open. They look inside of it. And they find nine vulvas in a shoebox. Nine, I I don't want to say female because I think females only have vulvas. And if we're in the trust tree with you, me and the listeners, I'm not 100% sure what a vulva is. It's like the, it would be the, I'm pretty sure
0: it's like the, (laughs) we're talking about that. Um, (laughs) See, I. I play by ear. I know what it is. I just don't... I know, I think I know what it is, but I'm trying to say it in the most <laughs> uh, historically friendly terms. It's... I think it's like... Isn't it the entire area with, like, the labia and everything like that? If someone is listening to this, please send us an um, a email. Yeah, an email on our uh, address when you get the socials, and please explain this to us. Nine, though. I'm going to guess that that's nine people's worth.
1: Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, so nine vulvas. And like I say, I... I'm not 100% sure what it is, but I I know how to get around it, I'm sure. I know who it comes from. Yeah. It's kind of like you know it by face, and but I know you don't, they know, don't know it have by two name. <laughs> like if you see it, you can be like that, mm-hmm. but you can't can't put it's a name foreign. to the face. You know it when you see it. <laughs> yes. So he had gone through and painted some of them, and he had salted them. So I guess in order to preserve Did you them. Salted? Did you say salted? Mm-hmm. Like, as in, like, old sailors salting meats
0: to preserve them.
1: That's sort of what it felt like. He was looking for means of, um, of preservation. preservation. Yeah. Um, another box they found. Four human noses. Just human noses, just in a box. Just, uh, w- what would drive you to keep four human noses and in the a box? same thing would drive you to keep nine vulvas. Yeah, uh, but that... Fucking dead body hung up. That could almost be like, kitchen. maybe a sexual thing. Like, there's nothing hot about a nose. Um, and probably, I don't know, probably the box of vulvas is a coup de gras but he had a belt that was fashioned together and made of female human nipples. He had a nipple belt. You're making me sad, dude. Uh, <laughs> so maybe this, it's going to get gross, but this is also something that leads into something. Is there bit, more? Oh yeah. And no. I find this last little bit kind of funny, just here. how he did it. So it's getting cold in this. <laughs> He had a human vest that was skin, torso, complete with breasts. He left the breasts on there, and the nipples were still intact. He also made a pair of leggings from human skin. I think you might know where this is going at this point. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, they found enough evidence before they even get to Oled's bedroom. In Oled's bedroom, I'll I'll paint you a picture from 30,000 feet. There's a lot of heads. A lot of heads in his bedroom. And some of them are preserved... One of them was Bernice's that they found in a, a burlap sack. So obviously they have enough at this point to arrest Ed for her death. And talk to him, try to convince him to just let them, to, to confess basically. And he kind of plays along for a little while and then ends up confessing. Um, as they're talking to him, obviously they have 10 million questions. Where did you get all this stuff? Ed admits that he had gone to the cemetery 40 times. Over since his mom had passed. And I think he said he'd been there to visit his mom like eleven times. But all how big is this town? Um it's not it's not big. It's not terribly big. I didn't get the population numbers or anything like that. How do they not know or see that there's nine graves disturbed? There's gotta
0: be somebody that just at least okay, not even someone that works the cemetery, like a caretaker or anything. But there's other people going places and visiting family at no point during these 40 visits. Do they see that the fucking ground is dug up on these graves? Well, they had to have been to get this stuff like I I'm not a, a fucking doctor, so I don't know what the rate of decomposition is. But and I'm guessing a lot of these things were not in good shape, but like you would have to get them at least somewhat recent, like quickly after they're buried Like, how how the fuck does no one catch on to this?
1: Though, there was another lady in town that had passed away that looked a little bit like Ed's mom. Of course she did. This town is nothing but women who look like Ed's mom. Apparently, she was in fashion back then. He
0: admitted did these women actually look like Ed's mom or was he just like projecting like cuz he was so
1: fucking crazy The first two, Bernice and Mary definitely bore a striking resemblance. Okay, so it was it was confirmed like by people that knew them, okay. Yeah, so this third one, this lady that died, Ed admits to actually going and digging up the body the night of the funeral. So they had the funeral, they buried her. He was back in the ground in fresh soil digging her up to get to her. So Do you know she how was How long it would take to dig up are they still doing six feet at this point? Um, I'm not sure how long it was, but I'll kind of get to it. They really didn't believe that Ed was robbing graves. They thought that he had to have had more murders because yeah. of all the shit that he had in his house. That's kind of
0: what I'm thinking, too. In my head, I'm like, with this, how many heads did he have in his bedroom? Get, get back to that, I guess. I don't want to know about that, but I do. Uh, let me get the exact number. So he had them. Did he have some of them like in jars?
1: Some of them had been preserved, but some of them were just rotting. Like, I, beyond, I don't know what they did. Like, I don't think they embalmed people back then, but they probably... The fuck does like, this house smell? How can you not smell
0: that. this house from fucking three miles away?
1: I, he just, They were on a farm. So he had all this land around there where it was just him. And... Uh, where do we go? Where do we go? So, yeah, all these different things. But getting back to the grave digging, there were... Um, they just said there's no way that he could be grave robbing. Like, it would take him far too long to get down to this stuff. He would have
0: noticed it. Yeah, so yeah. they
1: picked two graves. First grave was right next to, Ed and, or right next to Augusta and George mm-hmm. in the cemetery. And they said, if we can get down to this, we can get it open, figure out. He gave us this name specifically as one of them that he did. If we find a body, obviously he's lying he wasn't grave robbing. He had to have committed more murders. Okay. So, one guy and his assistant go out there and start digging. It only takes them two hours to get down to the um, coffin. Might not have been six
0: feet at that point.
1: No, it was probably like four or something like that, but very quickly for two guys. Coffins so,
0: also back then were not like the elaborate coffins where they're pretty sizable at this point. So, I'm guessing that there were Just wood more, boxes. Yeah, so they were probably smaller holes that they had to also dig to. Could be. Still, regardless, it's like four feet by, I'm guessing, like a five or six foot box. Probably four by, by six. That's, that's a lot of dirt.
1: Yeah. But it takes them about two hours to get down to it. And when they get down to it, they look at the coffin and they see that the front of the coffin has been split vertically. So once they open it up vertically, they don't find her. The box is completely empty except for one crowbar. So at that point they're like, Okay, Ed is telling the truth. He didn't lie about this. He really hasn't lied about anything. He just hasn't been as truthful as he should have been. Like he did he wasn't forthcoming, but he's answering our questions. So they dig up the other lady, obviously don't find her again, find another split casket. They're just like, okay, maybe he didn't kill people. There's still people on the radar. There was a couple girls in a town on the, I think it was a couple miles away Who's, who went missing.
0: Who, sorry, whose body did they find hanging? That was the Mary or was it uh, Bernice. Okay. And then
1: he. What? Did they find Mary? Ed completely denied having anything to do with Mary until they found Mary's head in his house. Okay. And to get back to your question, um, so he had a skull on all four bedposts, um, some of the lady skulls he had had the tops cut off, um, yeah, just, uh, he had Mary Hogan's face in a paper bag, so he had made a mask of Mary Hogan's face, that's how they identified mm-hmm. her, I guess, it wasn't just the skull, it was her face, um, they found – and one of the other things that they thought that he might have had younger victims was they found a young girl's dress in their house and he would have had no reason at all to ever have a a young girl's dress in his house. Yeah, no reason to have a lot of this stuff in his house, Adam. <laughs> yeah, I guess on the list of things you shouldn't have in your house, that's probably pretty low. But one of the other very curious things that they found was that he had boarded up rooms in the house. So it was just like his bedroom – The kitchen, a front room, and then the summer kitchen. Everything else was boarded up. And so they're like, oh, fuck. If this is what we find out here, what in the world are we going to find behind these walls? They pull all the wood paneling off of these um, entrances and exits to get into these rooms.
0: All pristine. They were like his parents' room and his brother's room and stuff like that. Like a
1: parlor room, all that kind of stuff. Nothing was touched. Everything was clean. So, I don't know if maybe it was Ed wanting to enclose himself, but also wanting to keep, like, these rooms are clean and pure like Augusta left mm-hmm. them. I'm not going to mess them up. It's kind of like when you go to somebody's house and they have, like, a, a living point, room that's not lived in and there's plastic and shit on the couches. And Yeah, we're way past that at this point. <laughs> well, but they were well taken care of. Like, there wasn't any blood yeah. spilled in these places. So Ed was probably using the skin chair. He was hanging out next to the face lamp and eating out of skulls. Like he had himself a situation, a system. Nothing compares though to what he did with the uh, vest and the leggings. So Ed admitted that he would pull the leggings up, wear like put on the leggings. Mm-hmm. He'd throw on the breast vest. He would put a vulva over his penis from his magical box of vulvas. And he would go around and walk outside the farm at night. Now, this sort of lends back to what I was talking about when I said that he was investigating the World War II veteran that went over and had the reassignment surgery. Mm -hmm. Ed sort of felt like maybe he was born in the wrong body. Like, maybe he was a female. Like, he had... Obviously, transgender wasn't a thing back then, but he started having these feelings like maybe he should have been born a girl. And later on once he's in a a psych ward they kind of there's questions about like what his gender identity was and different things like that. He'd never had a reassignment surgery but he had talked about having mm-hmm. one. So there was a little bit of gender dysphoria as far as like him understanding really what he felt he how should much be.
0: of that is caused by his mother.
1: A, a ton of it because she basically berated him for being a man with manly instincts. And that to me like Just the fact that he did that, obviously, Buffalo Bill. Like, he, that's, that's a giant Buffalo Bill.
0: I will go through my breakdown
1: after, after, after this. He ends up going to court, and first time they take him into court, obviously, he's just out of his mind. He's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs at this point. Like, he's gonzo. He's, they're trying to have a legitimate conversation with a guy that makes skin masks. Mm -hmm. So that's not going to happen. They don't find him. Um, able to stand trial. And like I was talking about earlier around that time in the area, people were so shocked by what they found and just what they had found out from the police Mm -hmm. and in the police reports and in the news coverage and all that, that they had to turn towards humor and they made, they were called Geens instead of jokes. They were just jokes about Ed Gein and a few of them just off of memory. One of them is why do they have to turn the heat up in Ed Gein's house? So the furniture doesn't get goosebumps. (laughs) <laughs> why did the mental institution let Ed Gein out on new year's so he could dig up a date? <laughs> like <laughs> just shit like that, that people had to like, they had to tell each other jokes to yeah. try to just bruise up. Yeah. I know. I, these feelings that they I, had.
0: I, I, I'm like trying, like I'm trying not to laugh at those and everything, but if that is something so horrible that happens, there's two directions you can go with it you can either just try to act like it didn't happen and have it just be this festering wound, or you can try to just get everybody past it. I mean, I think they took the direction that I would try to take, not trying to make light of it, but if it's something that dark, you got to try to shine some light on it just to keep it from destroying everything.
1: Yeah, only a laugh, only humor is going to help you
0: try to close that wound. The only way that I can actually kind of see it from the town's perspective is when I was growing up, and I lived in a small town of like 8,000 there was a murder like a double homicide and it took this town that never had anything like that happen to it in recent memory before what you would feel would be the idyllic small safe town. We didn't have to lock our house. Didn't have to lock our cars. Neighbors looked out for each other. And when this happened, it was like, how could this happen in our town? And so like, I, I can understand not to this degree because this is fucked up beyond (laughs) belief, but the fact that, like... And also, how many people in the town... Like, what are all the people that used to have him watch their kids doing? All the people that were friends with him. All the girls that talked to him. Like, everybody. Freaking is just, the fuck out. Yeah.
1: Especially all the dudes that he joked with about having Mary at his house. All of them are really, like, having to look back at every conversation they had with him and be like, Was this... Was he serious? Was he joking? So I see he denies ever having sex with the bodies, so I mean... Yeah, this, to me... Granted... Yeah not a professional. Um, don't uh, just kind of talking out of my ass here. Um, to kind of wrap up his cemetery trips, he admitted that he stole from nine graves. Mm-hmm. So he had nine extra bodies worth to make his wares. Yeah. Um, Ed had said that he had never had sex with the bodies. He had never eaten any flesh. Um, he was actually sort of disgusted by it. And, He said
0: that not enough to no no, no, no. pants made from it and a fancy boob vest.
1: I think (laughs) that's because I draw the line at any of this going in my mouth. A man's got to have his principles, right? Um, He said that there was no sexual desires behind anything that he was doing. And I'm sure maybe this is something that he told himself But in my mind, when I hear that, I feel like he's maybe just trying to mitigate what he did. He had an experience back when he was a kid where his first sexual awakening involved watching a pig get slaughtered. And to know that that was something that caused him to Spider-Man in his pants back then. There's no way that you can get me to believe that there wasn't any form or any element of arousal when he was cutting up any of these women. Like
0: maybe that's I have two kind of like directions to go on that. Maybe it was because he didn't need to have sex with them to get that enjoyment, like you're just saying. Yeah. Like, it was, like, the murder and the cutting them up and the making them into shit.
1: He's cool chubbing up while he does that, but he's not completing. The other thing, too,
0: is that his mother, the last thing or, like, the ultimate sin, I think, that he would probably think that he could do would be sex. And so... It wasn't that he was like denied ever having sex with them, like to be like, Look, I'm not a sicko or anything like that. I didn't have sex with these bodies. Yeah, I made masks out of them and shit. But (laughs) maybe that was like, that was so bad for him that that was the one thing that he couldn't bring himself to do or admit that he did. Because I believe that like he may not have had sex with them, but he also, he definitely did sexual stuff.
1: There was a sexual gratification that came from the rituals and practices that he had. And that's why I like I say I, I'll give him the benefit of a doubt he doesn't really deserve any benefit of a doubt but Betty didn't have sex with him I can guarantee though there was some sexual gratification that he yes. got from it because if this was one of his first sexual awakenings we take stuff like that from childhood all the time mm-hmm. and these turn into some of our kinks when we get older I'm not like correlating like spanking this and spanking a, or anything is a like too that far. Yeah this he brought something into adulthood that thank god I don't ever have to deal with mm-hmm. like There's certain kinks. We don't kink shame on this show. Um, But there's certain things that I see where it's like, holy shit. Thank God I don't need that to get off. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just... Bridge too far, (laughs) man. Just, (laughs) I'm happy with where I am. I'm happy with my kinks now. Let's just not... uh... So I'm guessing the trial was pretty open and shut. He never got one. So So he was
0: declared criminally insane.
1: He was declared criminally insane. He worked with a... a, uh, like a, a facility, I think it was a state run facility for mm-hmm. a while. They ended up trying to push him into court because obviously the people still wanted some sort of justice. Yeah. Um finally get him to where he's able to stay in trial. He shows up. Lawyer says not guilty by reason of insanity. Judge I'm sure takes like a look at the cover page of all the evidence. He's like, deal. Done. Ed spends the rest of his life in a mental institution where by all accounts, all of the doctors that worked with him said that if every patient had the temperament and acuity of Ed Gein, it would be a wonderful place to work. Like He was very good, and he petitioned him a lot of times kind of later on. I think it was more in the 70s to let him out. But they deemed him at such a high risk for having a kind of like a schizophrenic, multiple personality type disorders that he has going on. Not necessarily multiple personalities, but... <laughs>
0: Fucking the fact that you could even like here's the only reason that I think that I know that that's possible is because he's so fucking crazy that that wouldn't seem like a crazy thought to him. Be like, hey guys, I've been here for a while. I feel real good. I think I'm fixed. Well, so if you guys just want to go ahead and let me out, I don't need to. Yeah, I don't. I don't need to bed here anymore.
1: They they had him on most likely to reoffend list every single time he tried to to plead for his freedom. Like he was. <laughs> They they knew. They is knew this that, the
0: yearly Ed, Ed Gein appeal or whatever? the Yeah, no. Still no. crazy It was stamp. like a day of... Yeah, it became a day at the <laughs> fucking, like, attorney general's office or something. They were like, is it Ed Gein day? And they're like, yep, okay. They're like, denied.
1: Uh, so, yeah, Ed, Ed lived his life out in an institution. He ended up dying of lung cancer, which I guess maybe they let him smoke in there. But he still held all the way up until his deathbed that he was a virgin until death, which is very weird for this kind of a killer. And I don't know. There's a weird kind of like specification for a serial killer. Mm -hmm. And I think it is three or more victims in different uh, times. And there has to be a cooling off period between them. So Mm -hmm. like there has to be a layoff of like three months, anything like that. So we're
0: considering him between his brother and the
1: two victims
0: there, um, Mary Hogan and... Denise Warden is the three to I, confirm ser- serial would, killer status.
1: Yeah, I would say conservatively, those three are, there's some other ones that he could have been involved in mm-hmm. that they they still never figured out. And the dress leads me to believe that maybe there was, and then his also, like, if he had an infatuation, maybe with younger girls, which he had the infatuation with his mom, well, obviously. What you're
0: saying, you know, you're, you know, the whole thing where he seemed like he was probably mentally stunted at a certain age to where he kind of stayed in that age. He, c- he really could have And so if he was been. in that teenage age or that even younger, like you were saying, 12 years old, mm-hmm. or he never progressed past that point, those would be the people he possibly identified with. I mean, the only reason he was identifying with Mary and Bernice were because they reminded him of his mother. There was that attraction there. But what his attraction would have been for a more
1: age-appropriate partner for what his mental state was would have been younger, I would say, Yeah, a teen. So they never linked him to it. There's 50, 50 chance could have been him. Maybe it wasn't him. It just, his whole story and just the fascination that, I mean, you can kind of see how Mm -hmm. I'm riveted by this guy. Like he's the the way that your mind has to work to be able to turn these things. And like, was it really like a a tip by him to try to admit that like, he wasn't, didn't like hunting and he was squeamish about butchering animals, even though that he was still doing things like this. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, I don't mean to give him credit for his skills, but I assume to skin a person, you're probably going to be pretty good with a knife. Like, well, he, he was on a farm, so it was probably eh. something that he grew up doing. Ugh. But, uh, yeah, just uh, an all-around fascinating guy. So what's your all right? What's so, your synopsis of characters? Right. So for the character
0: of Leatherface, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the farm. Okay. That's, yeah. a, that's a big one in the house and everything, like the torture house. Uh, the hanging body on the meat hooks. Yes. The human face lamp. <laughs> yeah. And the human face mask. Those ones are all Leatherface inspired, or inspired Leatherface. Uh, Buffalo Bill would be the skin chair. And the, I guess you could go Leatherface back and forth between Buffalo Bill skin chair, skin lamp on either of those. The big Buffalo Bill ones were the human vest and the human leggings because he was making a human suit. And the vulva. And, the and
1: tucking himself and like tucking the him French himself. gentleman, probably. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, do you think he like threw on a record, maybe like some of his mom's heels and, yeah, danced around the living room in his I skin suit? See, well,
0: he walked out on the farm, around the like, and then Norman Bates would be. That's where the mother issues. And, I mean, I'm sure Leatherface had some other issues. I think that was explored at some point in one of the Texas Chainsaw um, been. Buffalo Bill. I'm probably assuming there were some mommy issues oh, or, yeah. or parental issues there. They didn't, like, focus on that. But the Norman Bates thing is definitely the the mothering side of it. Um,
1: I think also kind of the impulse kills, too. Like, if he felt he was getting too close to these women and wanted more of a connection with them... Yeah, because the Buffalo Bill thing, I can't remember.
0: I'm watching Science of Lamps, but I only got through like 45 minutes of it last night, and it was late, and I was like, I'm not watching this before, bed. Yeah, it's nightmare fuel. um, I think with the Buffalo Bill thing, he wasn't... It might have been women he knew, so that might have also been part of it. Leatherface was just killing people like travelers that came into town. And then Norman Bates, same thing. Mm -hmm. Strangers, but they would come into his hotel, and he kept his mom's body, but his mom would be telling him what to do. Like,
1: he would be like, Mother, another one, and... So did you ever see Bates Motel, the actual show that was no. on A uh, Very good, and it's the weird kid that's the good doctor or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. A very odd bird, but he plays a very good Norman Bates. Yeah. So yeah, that, that kind of wraps up Ed Gein, but just a, a wildly interesting guy for all the horror and terror that he caused. I, he's maybe put him top ten. For my preferable serial killers to study. It's it's so
0: crazy that... Like, this wasn't... You know, this was in... Not our lifetime, but within the 1900s. I think he died right? in
1: 1988.
0: Yeah. So... So, already, like, these characters in our... They're fucking pop culture characters, kind of like that. That you watch these characters, and, of course, they're bumped up and everything. 1984 mm-hmm. is when he died at age 77. But then you actually, are like, when you're watching those movies, like, this person is so fucking, like, fucked up and sick, like, this person couldn't have existed. And then you're like, but wait, he did.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He did to a a startling degree, too. Like, he, this was over a certain period of time. Like, it was probably maybe a few years with the killings and everything, but he existed in this weird bubble of doing this for an extended period of time. Right. Hey, did you know we just we popped our serial killer cherry? Yeah, I, unfortunately, if you like this one, I got a rolodex full of these kind of guys. We'll do more. Okay, I see how excited you get about this kind of stuff. Oh, I yeah. like just being able to like ask questions. Yeah, so I I feel like that kind of wraps them both up. Um, two really major characters in kind of this Octoberish web that we're weaving right now. Of uh, these are. Outfits that kids wear, these are costumes. Like, these are maybe not Norman Bates, maybe not Buffalo Bill. Oh, there's Leatherface,
0: yeah. And go through, go to any like haunted house, go to any like haunted corn maze, anything like that. There's a dude in a crazy ass skin mask with a chainsaw mm. and a fucking um apron, butcher's apron, uh, yeah, yep. butcher's apron. So, all right, hey, happy Halloween, guys. Yeah, we're getting there. All right, well. Y- any other closing thoughts? Oh, no. I, I feel satisfied with this. Are you as erect as Ed was watching that pig get slaughtered? <laughs> maybe not the pig. Maybe later on. But <laughs> All right, guys. Peace. Later. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us for another episode. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe and like button. Follow us. If you didn't like what you heard, still hit that anyway, because we'll probably cover something in the future that you do like. Um, please follow us on our social media, Adam, hit
1: him with it. Well, our Instagram is historically high pod, historically high pod. And we are on Twitter at historically high, that's historically
0: h-i. All right. And if you guys want to send in any feedback, suggestions, hit us up on those two, or you can even do it on Gmail. It's historicallyhighpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again. Peace.